always protects, it trusts, it hopes, it perseveres. Here's an interesting phrase that they use. It endures without telling the world about your personal distress. I'm going to repeat that. It endures. It goes through. It continues to suffer without letting everybody else around it know that it's suffering. Love is not a gossiper. Love is not picking up the phone every time you have a bad conversation with your spouse or with somebody that you love or your father or your mother or your your children and telling everybody else about how terrible of a person they are. I have seen folks put their whole business out on Facebook and Instagram for the whole world, like blasting out somebody that they love. I've had some family members do that where I had to call them like, take that mess down. What are you doing? Because you might fix that tomorrow. And nobody else would know. All we know is what you just showed us. All people know is what you just told us. And if you're telling us they're terrible and they this and they that, I might continue thinking that even though it was really you and y'all made up the next day. Love knows how to keep quiet sometimes and wait on what God wants to do in that situation. Now, if you do decide to talk, and I want to throw this caveat out there, you should be seeking people that you know can hear from God. So that you can know what you need to do in that situation according to God's word. That's the only help you need. Just going around telling everybody your business and putting everything out on blast and wearing your feelings on your sleeve. Okay, it's going to get you what you get you. And I'm telling you, that's not love. Religious people often spend their time practicing rituals, projecting dogma, going through routines that might look like Christianity. And it looks like it on the outside, but if they don't have love, all of that is worthless. Some of you have been hurt by people that on the outside, they presented themselves literally as a Christian, as a believer, as a follower of Christ, but love was not hidden in their hearts. And I'm here to tell you, the Bible tells us that if we don't love, we can have every spiritual gift imaginable. He says, you are nothing. It's worthless. It doesn't matter a thing. If you can prophesy, if you can decipher the mysteries of the world, if you can speak in unknown tongues, he says that's great and wonderful, but if you don't love, it's all worthless. Church, we can't fail at the one thing that God requires of us. Not and have all of the gifts in the world and be able to navigate every spiritual situation, but we can't love people. We can't be that. This is why we don't give up on people. It's why our doors here are open to everybody, anybody. I welcome anybody into this building. I do. I don't care what your background is. I don't care where you come from. I don't care what's happened. I don't care how long you was in jail. I don't care what you was in jail for. Because here's the thing. The love of Jesus Christ can change anybody. The love of Jesus Christ will renew your mind. It will renew your heart. It will make somebody that was a stone cold killer yesterday one of the most loving people you will ever meet today. I've seen it happen. There is nothing that God's love can't navigate. You can't legislate it. Real change, real heart change, 
You can't legislate that. You cannot incarcerate it. You can't pass enough laws to make it happen. You cannot support people enough. You cannot give them enough resources. The only real lasting heart change comes through Jesus Christ. It's the spirit of God. That's it. And it's through his love that we receive that. See, it's in John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35, that Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he tells them, I am giving you a new commandment. I'm sure that caught their attention real quick, a new one. But we already know the 10, he's like, yeah, I'm gonna give you a new one. He says, love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. He says, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Now, when he told them, I want you to love one another, I can imagine they're looking around like, Jesus, we do. I mean, we, we love each other. You know how church folks be. I love, yes, I love everybody. Everybody, is, I, I just so, I love everybody. And Jesus was like, yeah, time out. No, love them the way I love you. No, don't love them the way you think you supposed to love people. Because see, we get love real messed up. We get it real twisted. Some of us have had houses we grew up in where love was not portrayed well. Some of us know love in a very dysfunctional way. And it's not that you mean to be hurtful. It's not that you mean to continue being abusive. It's that that's all you know. So Jesus says, according to the Bible, lean not unto your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him. Love has to be one of those ways you acknowledge Christ and say, I need to love the way that you do. Because you might find out that his love looks a little different than the one you got from your parents. You may find out that his love looks a little different than you got from your spouse. It may look a little different than you got from your family. And you may find out that this is the love you've actually been looking for. Jesus is so direct with them. And notice... That as a true disciple, biblically, a disciple was somebody who followed their rabbi in every way. It was total emulation. They, imu they imitated him in every aspect of life. If your rabbi was left-handed and he ate with his left hand and you were right-handed, the minute you followed him, you now ate with your left hand as well. If your rabbi had a limp, you now have a limp. They emulated him in everything he did, from his cadence of talking to his style of teaching. They wanted to be him. Why? Because then when the rabbi leaves the scene and you meet one of his disciples, you know who the disciple has been being taught by because he looks, walks, acts, believes, talks, and teaches just like his teacher. Jesus said here, hey, you want to be like me? Love like I loved. Matter of fact, if you love each other the way that I've loved you, then the world will know you're my disciples. Because when they spend five minutes with you, they're going to know me. When they get in a conversation with you, they're going to hear me. When they cut and have different problems in their lives and you show up on the scene, it'll be just like I walked in the door. God bestowed his love and his spirit on us so that we could do what he did and greater. Yeah. 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 
This is the calling of Jesus. Being a disciple is not something to take lightly. I know that we raise our hands and we ask for salvation. And I believe people are saved and going to heaven behind that. But do you understand what becoming a disciple means? There's sacrifice in that. There's things I have to give up. There's things I'm going to do differently, even though I may not want to. Not because of me, but because of my teacher that I'm following. And I want everyone to know that I am his disciple. I don't think all of us read the Bible the right way. I don't know if we get it. You're talking about love. Do you understand that the Bible is a love story? Like some of us love romance movies. You love rom-coms. You love great books that talk about the struggle that people have gone through to attain love or to save people that they've loved. I love the movie Taken. It strikes a chord in me. Something about a father having his daughter kidnapped and the brother said, I'm gonna give you one chance to bring her back. Cause if you don't, I'm going to find you. No questions asked, this is not a conversation, this is not something I'm playing around with. You took my child and I'm coming to get her. This is what God did and does for us. Do you recognize that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and then got his heart broken? Understand this. Let me help make it plain to you. There are people who get in relationships and they love that other person and they provide everything that person needs, everything that person wants, every desire they try to meet it. They try to make sure they have the perfect house. They try to make sure they have the perfect car, the perfect life. They give them children. They do everything they can to give them whatever they need to be happy. And that person cheats. Can you imagine that pain? Imagine God taking seven days to individually build every part of this thing we know as the world. He gives the world literally to two people. The Bible tells us that God would come in the afternoons and walk through the garden with them in communion, in fellowship, in conversation, laughing, talking, explaining things that they could never possibly understand. You know the things Adam and Eve probably got exposed to by just hanging out with God. Yeah. He told them, everything you need is here. I've got it. I'll give it to you. All I ask you to do is don't touch this. When they did that, I can imagine his heart was shattered. I've given you everything. And this is your response. And from Genesis all the way through Revelation, all we see is a God in love doing everything he can to win that person back to his side. He says, all I want is to spend eternity with you. All I want is you in my life. All I want is you to have everything that you need. All I want to do is take care of you. And you don't want me. It's a love story. Hosea changed my life when I read it. See, we see God as cold and calculating, especially if you look in the Old Testament. God was really black and white. He was like, hey, look. 
I've said before you two ways. What is a blessing? What is a curse? He said, do right and live or do what you want and die. God was kind of cold with it when it came down to that. But in Hosea, God reveals his heart and I saw a heart broken God. I want to read you this passage here. Israel has run away. They have betrayed him. They have cheated on him with other gods. And he is ranting throughout the book of Hosea. God is ranting like he's having a vent session. And he's telling Hosea how mad he is, how hurt he is, how he can't believe what they did. And then God is talking about all the stuff he wants to do to them. Oh, they ain't nice. He's talking about what, he's gonna, what he wants to take away, how he wants to destroy them, how he wishes he had never entered into this covenant with them. He's being brutally honest. And can I tell you, for a moment, I understood God's heart because we've all felt that at some point in time. But somewhere around chapter 11, God vents for 10 whole chapters. Chapter 11, verse 8. God says, oh, how can I give you up, Israel? After all of this pain, after all of this heartache, he says, how can I give you up? How can I let you go? How can I destroy you like Amda or demolish you like Zeboim? My heart is torn within me and my compassion overflows. This is what real love looks like. I want to do something wrong to you, but I love you too much. I couldn't live with myself if I did that. You deserve it. But I love you too much to even give you what you deserve. A God who says, how can I give up on you? And this is why we don't give up on people. This is why we go to the nth degree. This is why we put up with stuff that other folks are like, yeah, hey, that could be at my church. Yeah, okay, well, send them here. It's <laughs> a whole lot of us that probably shouldn't be at other churches either. Send them here. Because we want to love well. I've had people come to me. Pastor Jay, you know so-and-so did such and such. Okay. Did you know that was in their background? Yeah. I don't think they should even be here. Whoa. Maybe you shouldn't be here. Because if you want to see me change real quick, pull that one on me. No. I'm going to do what God did for me. See, he didn't quit on me when I was out there doing a bunch of junk and stupidity and walking away from everything he had taught me how to do. He did not give up on me. He did not shut the doors. So God forbid I ever be a part of a church where we shut the doors on anybody. As long as they are breathing, there's a chance they can be redeemed. It's that simple. It's that simple. I don't care what they did. This is the God that we're after. This is the God that we serve. I need us to understand this. When he says, my heart is torn within me and my compassion overflows. I saw something some years ago that really impacted how I view love. About what it is and what it looks like. I saw this woman, and she was walking away from this guy across this parking lot. And you can tell, she was trying to get away. And she didn't want nothing to do with this brother. But you can tell by the way he was coming after her, he like, you ain't getting away from me today. That brother walked up to her, he grabbed her by the arm, and he swung her around to face him. And I'm like, ooh, that's probably not going to end well. <laughs> he pulled a ring out of his pocket, and he looked at her, and he said, I 
I can't understand why you don't love me. Or why you choose to keep running from me. I can't understand why you won't take this ring when my heart desires to give you everything. I can't understand your choice to be alone or why you think you can make it on your own when all of your dreams can be fulfilled in me. I can't understand when I know I'm all you need. He looked at her in her eyes and he said, there's something about love that won't let me rest. And though my exterior may seem calm, you've got my inside a mess. See, my heart's beating triple time, feeling sublime, coming up with ways to make you mine. And if loving you is a crime, you can lock me up. Toss away the key. Because you and me is the only destiny I desire to aspire to achieve. See, I want to be the air you breathe the one you can't live without and in spite of the things you've done I promise there's no distance my love can't overcome there's no race I'm not willing to run and though the odds of winning may be 10,000 to 1 I'm already down in my stance just waiting for the gun to fire see I never tire of chasing after your heart it's a lethal weapon but you can call me Danny Glover because I'm here ready to play my part. Waiting for the green light. Just ready to start. See, I hear you saying that you want a good man and I don't understand why you won't let me be the one who cherishes your every breath, your every step until the day you meet your death. And even then, our love will continue on just as strong repeating itself like a scratch CD replaying the same song cause I love you and there's nothing for you that I can't do and that I won't do but for this to work it takes two that's why I need you and you need me cause with my love you'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water refreshing no longer searching for your life's next best thing cause I am the best king for a queen like just take the time to read Psalm 22. See, my lips are strangers to lies. All they know is the truth. And I promise to be your Superman. But I don't need no booth, and I definitely don't need no cape to consistently provide you with a way of escape. See, I was at my wit's end, so I went and asked for some advice. And my father, my father told me I'd have to give my life to win your heart. That was the asking price. And you know I didn't need to think twice because your love to me is like a vice grip that has a hold on my soul and just won't let me go. So we planned for me to enter the womb of a virgin. And the way my father did it, you'd have thought he was a surgeon. How he clothed me in the flesh of a man and allowed me to be birthed into a world where I'd have to endure nearly unbearable pain and hurt inflicted by the very ones I'd helped form from the dirt. But for you, I would take the thorns and lashes just so you could witness the passion I had for someone who wasn't even mine yet. All I had was a hope that my actions would change your mindset. So here I stand with my heart bared to the elements. I can't understand why you don't love the one that heaven sent. I tell you this story because this was a vision that God gave me some years ago. And in this vision that retaught me what love is and what it looks like, 
I saw this woman trying to get away from a man. And you could tell by the way she was moving. She didn't want anything to do with him. That woman was you. And you. And you. And me. And there was a man chasing her. And you could tell by the way he was moving that he absolutely was not going to let her get away. And that man was Jesus. And when Jesus catches up to you, he grabs you by your arm, he spins you around to face him, he pulls a ring out of his pocket, and he says, I can't understand why you don't love me. Or why you choose to keep running from me. I can't understand why you won't take this ring when my heart desires to give you everything. I can't understand your choice to be alone or why you think you can make it on your own when all of your dreams can be fulfilled in me. I can't understand when I know that I'm all you need. Church, do you understand that Jesus is pursuing you with a love that will never end, with a love that will never fade, with a love that will never go away, that will never quit, that will never give up on you? God cares about you. Jesus represents him to the fullest It's the love of God that chases us down through all the mess, through all of the things we do that should make him walk away. And he says, my love doesn't quit. My love won't give up. I'm not leaving you. Some of you have seen places and gone to amusement parks. And I remember I had a family member that couldn't do roller coasters. And what she would do is she would take our bags and she would stand by the turnstile. She'd stay in line for two hours at Great America, walk all the way up all the steps, get right over there, right outside where you get on the roller coaster, and she would just stand there. Give me your bags, give me your stuff. I'll be here when you get back. You have people that God puts you in contact with that are on the roller coaster of life. And through God's love, all he asks us to do is stand in line with him for however long it takes. Just keep moving forward. Just keep moving forward. And when they get there, and you know how some people do, they get on that roller coaster and they be all over the place. Their lives are up and down. They're doing curly cues. They're going every which way. And all Jesus says is, just stand there and wait on Do like I did for you. Because for some of us in here, we were on the roller coaster, and it was Jesus standing there holding our bags saying, I'll be here whenever you're ready to get off. Time after time, passing the same spot, and it didn't matter what condition I was in, Jesus was always there like, whenever you're ready. I'm not going anywhere. And you know what? When you're on the roller coaster and you keep coming past the same place and you see the same person over and over, at some point it starts to click. Maybe they really mean it. Maybe this is what love is supposed to look like because there was a lot of people that was walking with me in the line. But when I got on the roller coaster, they left. 
And as I was going through life, going through these channels, navigating all these things that I messed up, and God knows I messed them up, I would look over there and I would always see Jesus still calling me, still telling me you can be used. I've got something better for you. All you got to do is give it to me. Whenever you're ready to get off, okay, you want to ride again? No problem. I'll be right here when you come back around next time. He taught me what love looks like. So now, I have no choice. Eric, you said it. The love of God compels me to love the way that he loved. How can I give up on folks? He didn't give up on me. Mm -hmm. So church, what we have to do is be willing to not get on a roller coaster. No, just walk through life. Present the love of God. And stand there and wait for them to accept it. The worst thing in the world we can do is claim to be Christians. Claim to have love available. Tell people that we'll be here for them. And then they finally get off the roller coaster and we're nowhere to be found. God wants us to help him pursue people in this community. Jesus is trying to win every soul back to God. So he can have the perfect love story at the end of the book. There's somebody in this room that needs to know the love of God today. Don't leave here without it. This love will change your life. This love will make life worth living. This love will change how you treat people. It will open doors. It will change generations. I'm going to ask the prayer team to come down. I'm going to tell you this last story, and then I'm going to let you get out of here. I've seen God's love do miraculous things. You don't know, church, what people are leaving here and going back home to, so we have to love well. You don't know what people left here or left home coming from to come here. So we have to love. Every person that walks through that door, we have to love them like it might be the last time. This has to be the safest place they ever visit. This has to be the one place where they're always welcome, where there's always a smiling face, always somebody willing to hug, always somebody willing to spend time, because there's no guarantee they get it anywhere else. One of my best friends, and at the time, I didn't know him from Adam. To tell you how the love of God can change a soul, before he came to church, literally the week of, out in the streets, doing stuff, Got into it with a guy. The guy said some stuff that he was going to do to him. And my friend was the type of person, no, I'm going to do it to you first. He said he began following the guy over the course of like two weeks. He was like, I knew his schedule. I knew where he worked. I knew where he lived. I knew what route he normally went home. Because where he grew up at, his result was, I got to kill you before you kill me. This young man, on the night he was planning to kill this guy, for some reason, stopped at the church. And I'm not telling you something I heard, I'm telling you something I know. He stopped at our church, it was on a Monday night, and it was a prayer meeting. He had no clue what he was doing. He just said something made him stop the car and go inside. He walked into a prayer meeting and my cousin was there, and another friend of mine was there, and they began praying with this brother. 
and telling him what God had for him and what God wanted to do in his life and calling him to a different way of living. But he had never heard this. He had never known about this. He didn't know this was an option. He said he left there confused and conflicted because I'm going to kill this guy. And he said, God, if you're real, I need you to show me you're real tonight. You got one shot. He said, and this was the brother that was my best man at my wedding when I married Pastor Sonia. He said that night around 11.30 p.m., there was a knock at his door of his apartment. It was the guy that said he's gonna kill him. And that he had been following him and was gonna kill the other guy. Found out the guy had been following him too. <laughs> he said, We about to do this right now. He said he grabbed a baseball bat, he ran to the door, he opened the door, and he said the brother looked at him and apologized. He said, bro, I'm out here in these streets. I got so many people looking for me. I don't know which way to go. I can't afford to have another person. He said, I, I've been following you. I was planning on trying to do something to you here at your house. And he said, I can't even do it. I want to apologize. I want to squash this. I want to kill all this noise. And I just want us to be cool when we walk out of this door. When that door closed, he said that he broke down crying and gave his life to Christ that night. Because he had never seen Christians in that light when he came into that church and he told them brothers what he was planning to do and they said, God can do something different for you today. You don't know what people are navigating. And it was through their love. Imagine what that story would have looked like if they hadn't have been there. If they hadn't have taken the time. If they weren't patient, if they had been arrogant or seeking what was better for them. Imagine the lives that would have been taken, the things that would have been changed. This became one of my best friends. All the things and the memories that we have, we never would have had those. Because somebody said, I'm going to love the way Jesus does. That's it. You're not responsible for the outcome. What's love got to do with it? 